0: Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Say those three words, please. Sufferings of Christ. And also also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint. Listen to it. Not by constraint, but willingly. Willingly not for filthy lucre or money, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder, All of you be subject to one another, listen to these words, and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world, the same afflictions are accomplished in your brothers that are in the world verse 10 we'll rest right here but the God of all grace who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after that you have suffered a while make you perfect establish strengthen and settle you but the God of all grace who has called you to eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. I'm going to preach, very simply put, a message entitled The Power of Grace. I need you to tell three or four people around you those words, The Power of Grace. The Power of Grace. Can you do me one more favor? Just lift your hands and let's pray. Father, I thank you for such a hungry congregation of people. I thank you for people that are leaning forward in their faith. Today we look through the lens of prophecy toward our future. And we're excited and enthusiastic, full of anticipation and expectation of the things that shall be revealed in the days to come. I ask you to bless these people today with divine revelation. Let them hear things in the spirit that the preacher does not preach. And let me preach things I didn't study to say. In other words, Holy Spirit, do what you want to do. Holy Spirit, have your way and help us to get on your agenda and on your program. We give you praise and glory now for all that should be shall be accomplished in the next few moments. We break every generational curse and dismiss every generational spirit. Do what only you can do in Jesus' name. Can you clap your hands and shout to the Lord just one more time with a voice of triumph? High five somebody and tell them it's on in the building. I told you the name of this message. We're gonna call it The Power of Grace. If I was gonna subtitle this particular message, I would call it from suffering to settlement. From suffering to settlement. As I was preparing this morning and walking towards the car holding river, I felt like the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, I will bring the process, but I do not bring the progress. I began to pray about that just in the car and thinking about it. And I do believe that God affords us the process. But we determine the progress. The process is really God's opportunity for growth. The process is God's opportunity for growth. Activity does not denote progress. Movement does not denote progress. And if you avoid the process, you will never enjoy progress. Growth is up to you. Opportunity is up to him. Paul said something very profound in Philippians chapter 3. He said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and I want to know him in the, what? Fellowship of his suffering. What interesting vocabulary. As a matter of fact, it sounds as though he got those two phrases backwards. In other words, I would want to know him first in the fellowship of his suffering and then enjoy the power of of his resurrection. Fellowship is a strong word. The Greek word is actually koinonia. It's a time that you sit down and enjoy a meal to discuss a certain topic. So when he says, I want to know him in the koinonia of his suffering, this connotes the idea of having fellowship with the Lord and the Lord speaking to you about the things He has been through. I want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. The idea of suffering certainly is not the most popular subject in the world. Suffering. It may not be the most popular subject, but it is an important subject all through scripture. The word suffering Suffer or suffered is mentioned 165 times in the Bible. Suffering, Webster defines it as the state of undergoing pain or hardship or distress. When I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, suffering is really relative. In other words, what we consider suffering people in the third world may look at as a mere inconvenience. In light of that perspective, we would say without suffering, there would be no compassion. Suffering is not only the most, not the most important or or popular subject in the world, It's certainly not talked about in church. No one really wants to come to the pulpit and say, hey guys, today I'm going to talk to you about suffering. But we have to consider verse 10 of 1 Peter chapter 5 because in reference to suffering, the apostle Peter, you know who I'm talking about, Peter, the one that Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Peter means the rock, something firm, something established. In verse 10, the apostle Peter says, after you have suffered a while. When you look at that word in the Greek, it's a little different than what Daniel Webster tells you it is defined as. Because in the Bible, it means to be affected by a bad experience that made you undergo or endure hardship or a bad season. Now I'm going to give you that definition again because I wanted to register with your spirit. 1 Peter 5.10, after you have suffered a while, something has affected you in a, a bad experience you've had that made you undergo or endure a hardship in life that resulted in a bad season. Now, that draws it closer to home. Now we can discuss that type of suffering because in all reality, we all go through that. We go through bad experiences that produce bad seasons in life. The great thing about a bad season is it has to pass. Seasons come and seasons go. And that's why he said, after you have suffered a while. Say this with me, suffering has a season on it. Say it again, suffering has a season on it. The Message Bible reads verse 8 of 1 Peter chapter 5 like this. Keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on your faith. The suffering won't last forever. I want you to say that with me. The suffering won't last forever. You know what? Let's put it in the atmosphere and let's say it with conviction and confidence. This suffering won't last forever. And he goes on to say it won't be long. Before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, will have you put together and on your feet for good. He gets the last word. Oh, yes, he does. He gets the what? Last word. Oh, yes, he does. And I was thinking, Lord, give us some examples of suffering. I can't just stand here and tell these people that they're going to go through suffering if I can't find examples of suffering in scripture. And he brought me to James chapter five, verse 10, where the Bible says, take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job. You've seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. The Message Bible reads those verses like this. I just love this Message Bible, as you can tell. Take the old prophets as your mentors. They put up with anything. They went through everything and never once quit. All the time honoring God. What a gift life is to those who stay the course. You've heard, of course, of Job's staying power. You know how God brought it all together for him at the end. That's because God cares. God cares right down to the last detail. Do you understand that even the prophets went through seasons of suffering? They went through seasons of bad experiences that brought about bad seasons in life. Another example of suffering is found in Hebrews chapter five and verse eight. May I talk to you about your savior. The Bible says, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Hold on now. You're talking about the son of the living God had to learn obedience through the things that, that he suffered. When I read it this morning, I heard the Holy Ghost say these words. There are lessons that we learn in suffering that we will never learn in ease and comfort. There are lessons that we learn in suffering that we will never learn in ease and comfort. Augustine said it like this. God had one son on earth without sin, but he never had one without suffering. God had one son on earth without sin, but he never had a son that did not suffer. The words pain and suffering are almost linked together historically. Pain and suffering. People win lawsuits because of their pain and suffering. Don't miss that. I'm gonna say it again. People win lawsuits because of Pain and suffering. I want to submit to you a thought. There's a difference in pain and suffering. Pain is actually the initiation of suffering. Pain is what happens to you. Suffering is what you do with that pain. When someone hurts you, that's pain, or that is painful. But you have the choice in how long you will suffer from that pain. I'm going to read that again. When someone hurts you, that's painful. But you have the choice in how long you will suffer from that pain. Some of you in this building have been hurt. Someone has inflicted pain on you. That's a fact. Can you say amen to that? Some of you have been hurt. You've suffered pain because of someone else. That is a fact. Can you say amen? amen? But today, you're going to stop suffering. And that's the truth. You carry the pain long enough your season of suffering is coming to an end as a matter of fact God brought many of you here today to let you experience closure on your season of suffering the pain was inflicted to you but the suffering was not imparted to you you decide how long you are gonna suffer from the pain somebody else put on you. So I'm gonna say it again. God's gonna give you an opportunity to reach a conclusion to that chapter in your life. He's bringing closure to this season of suffering that you've been going through. That ought to make somebody put them two hands together and give God praise. I dare you to throw your head back and shout, I've suffered long enough. See, there's all kinds of suffering. There's relational suffering. There's emotional suffering. There's mental suffering. There's financial suffering. There, we could go on and on. And I think sometimes we just wallow in suffering. If you stay in suffering long enough, you become pitiful. When you get to the place of pitiful You've missed the escape of grace. So now you look to people for healing. See, I had a discussion last night that was very interesting. I had a discussion last night that was very interesting. I had a board of church, just church board and this pastor that are having trouble. So they called me. I spend a lot of time doing this kind of stuff, right? A, a lot of time. Really? Too much time. And Pastor Rick, can you help us through this little thing we're going through? What is the thing? Well, I've got some guys that are in leadership that came to me and saying that they got issues with people in the church, have issues with me. And we need to reach a theological agreement. So they're telling me this, and I'm on speakerphone. I said, well, before we can even discuss theological agreement from you, sir, you must must understand what theology means. Theology means the study of God, not the study of people. Because if you're going to bring to me your concerns after you studied the people, then we're going to have issues until Jesus comes back. But if you'll spend some time with me in real theology and let's study God, then God has the answer for the people. If you hang around in realms of suffering long enough and you talk about it long enough, before long it becomes a lifestyle. Jesus said at the man at the pool of Bethesda in John chapter five, these words, will you be made whole? Can I paraphrase that for you? You've been here for 38 years, brother. I'm not sure you really want to be made whole. It seems like you kind of enjoy hanging out with the other guys at the pool. They have ailments like yours so y'all can talk about your suffering and how no one will help you. And when the water is stirred, no man helps you into the pool. It's everybody else's fault. It's called projecting. I'm where I am because of everybody else. But you just told me the water is stirred but you've never made an effort to get in it. So Jesus said, do you even want to be whole? The question is, do you really want to come out of your suffering? Well, so Jesus ends the conversation with saying, take up your bed and walk, prove it to me. Prove it to me. Don't just leave. Take with you what brings you comfort. Because if you leave the bed there, you'll come back to it. So the question is, what happens after the suffering, after this season, after you've suffered a while, then what? The God of all grace who has called us to his eternal glory. Thank you, God, for touching people today by Christ Jesus. After after you have suffered a while, suffered for a season, then he will make you perfect. The word perfect here means he will complete you thoroughly. He will repair you. He will adjust you. He will fit you, he will fashion you, and he will frame you. After you have suffered a while, then God will complete you thoroughly. He will adjust you, he will repair you, he will fit you, he will frame you, he will fashion you. Somebody in this building that's been going through a bad season because of a bad experience, should be getting a little excited right now because previously I stated to you that today could be the conclusion of your suffering season, which means you are one step away from stepping into a season of completeness, a season of adjustment, a season of repair, a season where God fits you, a season where God frames you. A season where God heals you. A season where God mends you. Look at who's writing it. The apostle Peter is writing it. <laughs> the apostle Peter is writing this particular epistle. Why does he have the authority to write this has the authority to write this because of what he has been through to become who he is. There's nothing worse than listening to someone trying to talk with authority that's never been through what they're talking about. You just look at them and you think, ah, no, I'll get it. Can you give me a, ha- a little ha- bit ah, of your ha- History. Have you ever suffered loss? Have you ever suffered a broken relationship? Have you ever suffered through a divorce? Give me some experiences to validate your ability to endure. Because you can only teach what you know. But you impart who you are. You are the summation of every victory, every mountain, and every valley you have ever been through. If you just talk to me with the cape on and an S on your chest, then you're Superman all the time. I don't need to talk to Superman. I can't match Superman. Superman. I need to hear from Clark Kent. I need to talk to the guy that went into the telephone booth, not just the guy that came out. Y'all ain't hear me preach to you. Gotta make somebody ain't even saved get excited. I need to know that you're real, that you've been through some stuff. I don't know about y'all, but I have been to hell and back. I'm still alive, still clothed and in my right mind. I done been to hell and back, still called, anointed, appointed. Anybody else in here ever been through stuff that should have made you lose your mind? You ought to be in an insane asylum somewhere, but you are in the house of God. You've done enough drugs, you ought to be an addict by now. But no, God brought you through it. Your brain shouldn't even be able to function with all the drugs you did in your life, but God preserved you, he protected you, he pulled you out of darkness into his marvelous light, and now you've got something to say. I need about 15 people that's been through some stuff to jump on your feet and give God a crazy praise. I need you to lift your voice and give God a crazy some of you are saying well pastor what about people like me I I never did drugs I never was that kind of person yeah but you've been hurt you've been rejected you've been disappointed people have hurt you so bad but you're still here you still got your hands One more time, is there anybody in the building that's been through stuff and you survived it? So you say, you say, well, what did the apostle Peter go through? Sit down one last time. We're just gonna jump up three more times, we're gonna be gone. Luke twenty-two thirty-one. Jesus said to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. You want to know what he went through? I'm showing you right now. He went through the threshing. He went through the threshing. Satan has desired to have you that he can sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. Watch it now. Lord, have mercy that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. Simon, Simon, Satan has desire to have you. It literally means he's lusting for you. What was he lusting for? The position Peter occupied. He lost what Peter stood in. Satan has desired to have you. That he can sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. Watch what he said. That your faith fell not. He didn't say I prayed for you that you don't lose your praise. He didn't say I prayed for you that you don't lose your worship. He didn't say, I pray for you that you don't lose your church attendance. He said, I pray for you that your faith fail. Now, let me help y'all. The enemy fights you like hell. You know why? Because he wants your faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So Jesus said, I'm praying for your faith, man. Keep your faith. Now, this is how confident Jesus is in his prayer. When you are converted, The Bible says he sits at the right hand of the Father and he ever lives to make intercession for you. So if he had that much confidence in his prayer for Peter, don't you know he has the same confidence in his prayer for you? You ought to look at somebody and tell him, I'm gonna make it, honey, I will make it. He said, when you are converted... In your brother not if you are converted I got faith in me and I got faith in you Peter sometimes you got to start saying I not only believe in God but God believes in me yeah, sometimes you've got to twist it around in your mind and say, I do believe in God, but I know one thing, God really believes in me. If he didn't believe in me, he would not have chose me. He would not have elected me. He would not have selected me. He would not have picked me out. God believes. Somebody throw your hands up and shout, God believes in me. Say it again with conviction. God believes in me. Say it. God believes in me. Quit getting that picture in your mind that God is up there just looking at you saying, I don't know if I really trust him. I don't know if I really believe him. If he didn't believe in you, he wouldn't have left you here. If he didn't believe in you, he wouldn't have saved you. He would not have anointed you. Y'all don't start getting on it too quick now. I got a long way to go. I see musicians taking the stage, but I wanna help you. You ain't gonna speed me up, so be comfortable in the chair you're gonna sit in, because I'm gonna go on and preach this whole word and not word until y'all feel like it's time for me to, uh -uh. you're gonna get the whole enchilada today, baby. Tell your neighbor, tell somebody, we're gonna get this word, we're gonna get this word. Say it again, God believes in me. When he says when you are converted, he's saying when you revert back to your original condition. In other words, you're going to be stretched and you're going to be sifted, but you're going to bounce back boy. I know you. You got bounce back in you, Peter. You got the ability, to re- the ability to revert to your original anointing and your original position. Some of y'all been stretched, you've been sifted, You've been buffeted and battered, but I'm here to tell you, if the devil could have killed you, he would have already done it. Throw your head back and shout, I'm still here. After you have suffered a while, he will adjust you. He will repair you. He will fit you. He will frame you. He will fashion you. He will form you. When? After the season of suffering. Say this with me. My greatest comeback is still in front of me. Tell the devil, devil, you have messed with the wrong somebody. God believes in me and I believe in him. And even though I am sifted Say it, even though I'm sifted, I'm still saved. Even though I'm stretched, I'm still saved. If you believe it, give God praise one last time. Let me ask a sincere question. How many of you want to hear the entire message? All right, that's about 70%. So you other 30% have to tolerate us. Because the media team will tell you, they are keeping up with my notes, that I have just finished the introduction. And I'm not lying. But I promise you this, I'm gonna give you three points and no poem. You're going to get three points. You ain't going to get a point. But I'll preach three these three points as fast as I can. He said, after you have suffered a while, the Lord will perfect you, repair you, adjust you, fit you, frame you. Now watch what he says. There, Somebody said it. Clavin said it. Then he will establish you. Now that almost sounds country to me. Does it not? I mean, that sounds like somebody from Oklahoma. Somebody from Louisiana. Sometimes we just leave a letter out. Instead of saying, he will establish you, we just say, you know what God will do? He'll establish you. God will establish you. I think the Apostle Peter was a little bit contrary. He said God will establish you. It means to set fast or to make stable. God will stabilize you after you suffered a while. Romans 16.25 says now to him that is of power to establish you. According to the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ and the revelation of the mystery." which has been kept secret since the world began. The etymology is this, that God will make you steadfast, stable, durable, unwavering, literally able to stand. Read it in the Greek and it reads like this. God will secure you against falling. He will keep you from falling. When? After you have suffered a while, God will keep you from falling. Now, let me explain myself. He didn't say he will keep you from tripping. Matter of fact, you are sitting by a few people right now that are tripping. He didn't say that he will keep you from stumbling. He said he'll keep you from falling. He will keep you from hitting the ground with the impact of destruction. Micah said it like this, Do not gloat over me, O my enemy, when I fall, for I shall arise. I will keep you from the result or the consequence of falling. Boy, that's powerful. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory and exceeding joy. After you suffered a while, he will establish you. Look at your neighbor and tell him God is about to establish you. And tell him I left the E off on purpose. We're going somewhere. Stay with me. I'm almost done. After you've suffered for a season, God will establish you. Yeah. Then he says, after you've suffered for a season, God will strengthen you. Boy, I dare you to do the etymology on this one. Because it means he will cause you to stand in your place. He will strengthen, he will cause you to stand in your place. Boy, there's something so significant and so satisfying about you finding your place. Your place as a husband. Your place as a man. See, if people could understand this, you'll quit questioning if you're a man or a woman. I'll leave it alone. After you've suffered a while, he will make you to stand in your place. He will make you or help you uphold or sustain your authority. Boy, if there's anything missing among believers today, we try to use dunamis, we try to use power, Without authority. Honey, you ain't got no power if you don't have authority. We need to stop just preaching power. We need to start preaching authority. Exousia, the power of attorney, which means when he left, he left me his name. And if I cast out a devil in his name, guess what has to happen? The devil has to come out because I got the badge of authority but my power cannot be released until I stand in my authority. Some of you have lost your authority. You can walk around trying to exercise power, but until you realize you have authority to exercise the power, then the power is futile. But when you get your authority, you know who you are. The last definition of this word "strengthen" literally means to stand as if you are immovable. I believe we need to bring that old song back that says, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Like a tree planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. Boy, I almost sang it, didn't I? Y'all thought I was going to, didn't you? gotcha <laughs> to stand as if you are immovable mm. that's strong stuff let the Holy Ghost speak to you here now and feel yourself standing wherefore take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. He doesn't say after you've done all to stand, stop standing. He said after you've done all to stand, then what? Stand therefore. After you suffer for a season, God says take your stand. Now let me help you. Two and a half years of total chaos total division, polarization of relationships, destruction on every side. It's time for believers to get their authority back, plant their feet in the ground and tell the devil we are going to stand and after we've done everything we can do to stand, we're going to keep on standing. He said, after you've suffered a while, I will establish you I will strengthen you, and here's my last point. I will settle you to take you back to your foundation, to bring you back to the first principles and foundations of truth you learned. This is what we call the power of grace. The power of grace establishes you, strengthens you, and settles you. There's been too much unsettling. Come on, talk back to me. Everything's unsettled. There's nothing said. There's nobody settled. Everything's unsettled. Everything, can, can I go ahead and prophesy to you right now? That, would, would you listen to me carefully? I'm going to give you a word of prophecy right now. Be ye very careful. Be very, very careful in the time that you're living in. The enemy has released a spirit of division among the body of Christ that is causing pivotal relationships to separate and divide, that God had assigned to be together to bring forth the kingdom of God in the earth in the last day. Be very careful that you do not enter into conversation, gossip, and divisiveness with other people that have set themselves against the house of God, the men of God, and the people of God. Be very, very careful. The enemy has released a strategy to keep the people of God unsettled. Everything in scripture is about God placing people and planting people and settling people. The only time he moves people is to get them from where they were to the other place that they're supposed to be settled. And they settle there until he says, now get up and move again. We got people going in every direction and God ain't said nothing about moving. There's an unsettled spirit among the people of God. I want you to throw your head back, shout as loud as you can, settle down. You know what? You just sent that out into the atmosphere where principalities and powers and spiritual authorities are sitting there listening to you. I dare you to throw your head back and shout as loud as you can, settle down. When my daddy was in our house and all them kids was over there and everybody cutting up, if my daddy said, settle down, Everybody in the house got steel. And I hear the father shouting from heaven. He rent in the heavens. He's coming and he's saying, settle down. Calm down. After you have suffered a while, God's grace will secure you from falling. He will strengthen your stand and settle you in your place, in God's principles, and in God's promises. Clap your hands and give him praise. I heard God tell me this this morning. Rick Hawkins, you tell my people. Divine settlement. When I heard that, I quickened in my office chair like that right there. It was like something jumped on me. I said, hold on now, Holy Ghost. He said, you tell my people, divine settlement is on its way. Some of y'all are getting that. You're getting it. A settlement is an act of fixing or steadying a thing that's been unsteady or unstable or unsettled. Unsettled. It is a detachment from a discomfort zone to a comfortable place. Watch this. God is about to bring you, put your hand right here and say, Me. Divine compensation. I'm going to prophesy it again. God is about to bring you divine compensation. I'm going to prophesy it again. God is about to bring you divine compensation. It's a settlement. The settlement is about to be settled. When I was praying that and hearing that, he brought me to Exodus, good God have mercy. Exodus chapter three and verse seven. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the suffering, the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmaster. And I know their sorrows and i am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good land and a large land and to a land flowing with milk and honey god said i've seen the suffering vicky i've seen your tears And now I'm about to compensate you for all that you've been through in your season of suffering. There's about 30 people getting this right here. God has seen you crying in your closet. God has seen you weeping in your living room. God has seen you quaking with pain, going down the road, driving your car, wondering how you gonna get through this season, and God says, I have seen you crying, I have watched your tears, I have felt your sorrow, and I'm about to bring you divine compensation. Divine settlement or grace is when God gets you compensation for your suffering or your affliction. Divine settlement or grace is when God delivers you from struggles and challenges that have prohibited you from your promises. Divine settlement or grace is when God takes you out of a negative situation and places you in a land that flows, not a life that fights. Jump on your feet, throw your hands up, and say, Lord, bring it on. you will never access some things till you acknowledge other things let me show you what I'm talking about some of you want to ignore the fact that you've gone through a season of suffering you want to act like It didn't happen. No, it did happen. You did suffer that loss. You did go through that trauma. You did pass through that season of confusion. It happened. And until you acknowledge it and quit being a liar, you will never access, you will never access the promises, the fulfillment, the enjoyment that God has supplied for you As compensation for what you went through. Do you say, Pastor Rick, are you saying that God pays us back when we go through stuff? You mean God watches everything we go through? And then after we go through it, he just puts like stuff, he just blesses us? Can you, can you hear me? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Well, can you prove that to me scripturally? How many verses do you need? Let's just take Job. Let's just take Job. He only got double of everything that he lost. And some theologians will tell you he got seven times more than he lost. I call that divine compensation. I've gotten to the point in my life where anything I lose, anything a, re- a relationship, anything that walks away from me, anything I lose, I'm already looking to God with joy. And I'm saying, my God, if I lost something that important, then my God, what in the world do you have for my future? Are y'all in the building? How many of you are looking forward to compensation from heaven? That's the power of grace. Here's the deal, y'all. Here's the deal. And I'm done. Here's the deal. Grace is unmerited favor. (laughs) Oh, man. So you can't do anything to deserve it. If it's unmerited favor, then you can't qualify. You can't even qualify for grace. As a matter of fact, the more disqualified you are, the more candidate you are to receive grace because it's unmerited. There ain't nothing that gets on folks' nerves. Then when somebody receives favor that they feel like don't deserve favor. We worked 11 hours, and this guy worked for one hour, and he gets the same wages as us? That's called grace. That's called unmerited favor. God is good, isn't he? Listen, I was right here on this front row trying to get river... Giovanna this morning, he's in one. You know, he's, he's having one. Y'all know what that means? Yeah, he's, he's, he's on it. So when I reached for him, he did this here. Well, that was fine with me. That's cool. Let your mama hold you. But as soon as it happened, God spoke to me. He said, that's my kids. I said, Lord, what, what are you saying? He says, I got my hands out telling them, if, you, if you'll just come to me, I'll compensate you for everything you've been through in your life. But you got, you got to make that move. Draw near unto me, and I will draw near unto you. If you've been going through a season, if you've gone through a season in the last couple of years, would you come up here and let me pray for you that your faith fail not? Would you would you come up here If you say, Pastor Rick, I'm looking for my compensation. I'd have been to hell and back. Yeah, yeah. I've suffered so much loss in the last year and a half, two years. Something great must be coming my way. Would y'all come on up here right now? Come on, come on up here right now. If, if this is your word, just come on. I've lost, I've suffered some things. Man, I'm telling you, it blindsided me. See, pain don't ask for permission, but suffering does. Pain will show up, but suffering will say, can I stay? Will you let me stay? Say this with me right now. My suffering season season comes to a conclusion conclusion today. today. How do I know it? How do I know it? Because I'm here. Because I'm here and this was, my word. this was my word lift those hands now begin to pray and seek God God would you breathe on us today the power of grace, grace the power of be grace be. hallelujah go ahead Jamie hallelujah. my song becomes my trial that's right go ahead prophesy peace is found in you my hope is found in you Lord my victory is saved hallelujah victory is saved hallelujah victory is safe. Hallelujah. my victory is safe. look at me just for a moment God's about to heal you the word says he's going to repair you He's going to adjust you. He's going to fit you. He's going to frame you. you. Lift one hand and say, Lord, repair me. me. Say, "Lord, Lord, adjust me. Listen to me with your hands raised. God never adjusts the plan to fit your life. He adjusts your life to fit the plan. So you can't say, Lord, adjust the plan. You have to say, adjust my life. Adjust me. Repair me. Can you say it, Lord, repair me? Repair me. Yeah. I wish I could speak horse language. I asked River, River, what does the horse say? And he says, "Hmm." My best horse is suffering right now. And you know what's sad about it is I don't know what he's going through. You know what makes it worse, John? The vets don't know what he's going through. but he don't have an appetite. He's breathing real fast. Now all you doctors before you start giving me your prognosis, it's okay, we've got it. because I can see the emails coming in now. you know what's wrong with your horse? after I've done seen every vet in Oklahoma. The fact is, we don't know. But something's wrong. If only I could speak, hmm. but I can't. The fact is, I don't even know what's hurting you. I don't know what you're suffering from. Even if you tried to tell me, I would have to connect with you on a plane of communication that would have to be real clear. Right? But can I tell you that you don't even have to say a word to your father? Did y'all hear what I just said? All you've got to do is cry. All you got to do is just moan. All you got to do is just let him hear you and immediately he knows. Are you with me? Can you throw your hands up and say it again? Lord, repair me. Lord, adjust me. Lord, fit me. Frame me. Fashion me. My season of suffering is over. I've endured the pain, but I'm not going to live in the suffering. Today I choose. Today I choose. Come on, today I choose. To step out of this suffering and I step into my promise I'm established I am settled and I am strong in Jesus name now give God praise right there where you are give him praise